Hello, and welcome to season two of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. I am your host, Emily Wishall, and I am an embodiment coach, a certified rolfer, and author of the book, Radical Embodiment, a practical guide to celebrating the skin you're in. And this season, I am excited to bring you guests and interviews. So there will be 12 episodes for season two, and I will be interviewing people who have been coaches, teachers of mine in the embodiment world, the coaching world, feminine manifesting business, and just people that I have a lot of deep respect for and was curious to hear their take on embodiment and what they had to say in that conversation. So I hope you enjoy the conversations as much as I enjoyed recording them and that you have some clear, tangible takeaways and insights and that they inspire you to live a more radically embodied life. So let's go into the episodes. Hello and welcome to the final episode for season two of Radical Embodiment, the podcast. Today, I'm really honored to bring someone who is really dear to me. She's a dear friend, a woman that I am in an intimate community with, and she just has such a rich a richness about her and such depth to offer. So I'm interviewing today in the podcast interview, Stephanie um, Domingue, and Stephanie is a doula locally based in Colorado. She's a Colorado native and mother of three who is deeply passionate about supporting women through their pregnancy and birth experiences. Stephanie strives to create a safe and supportive space for birthing persons honor their intuition, and guide them through the threshold of transition. Through her own experiences with birth and loss, um, they have led her to having a desire to help cultivate a nourishing pregnancy, birth, and postpartum experience for all, including those who have experienced loss. So specifically, you know, because this podcast, Radical Embodiment, is really about support supporting a person, um, supporting women in really learning how to love their body through the path of embodiment, through the path of learning how to inhabit our body. I think it's particularly um, poignant to have a doula, someone who works with women through their pregnancy, through their postpartum, when a woman's body is changing dramatically. And there's so much pressure put on pregnant women to lose about, you know, the baby fat, to not gain too much weight. And Stephanie brings a really amazing perspective, so much wisdom and depth. And so I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Here I am with Stephanie Domingue. Stephanie, thank you for being here. Stephanie is a doula, a birth keeper. I know Stephanie from a very intimate space, a women's community we're a part of, and I'm just really grateful to have her on the podcast, have her on the show. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Emily. Um, for those who aren't watching this on video, you can see Stephanie's sweet cat, like in her lap, which is like <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. So I always like to start these conversations and just dive in um, with the question of what embodiment means to you. Mm, that's definitely feels like a loaded question in a yeah. lot of different ways. <laughs> Um, but you know, like embodiment itself is this expression and these forms that we include as parts of ourselves. Uh, and through the full human experience, we have these spectrums of, you know, ranges that we go through. And when you are going through life and stepping into, especially as a woman bodied person or a womb space holder, you have these transitions in your life. So you have your maiden um, where you transfer from being a child into a maiden and then from a maiden into a mother, if you choose to be, and then from a mother to a crone, which is past your childbearing years and these ages. And so embodying an embodiment to me is really integrating all of these experiences and these facets of ourselves that are in within all of us. Um, and kind of staying in that confidence and the wisdom that all of these three major parts of our lives have for us and the teachings that they have. Awesome. So um, I have a lot of questions for you from that, um, <laughs> but I'm taking a couple of notes so I remember. So it sounds like, like if I could kind of 
reflect what you shared in my own language. It sounds like to you, embodiment means integrating and and accepting all aspects of you, all from all um, parts of your human expression and range. And I and, and that I think of like this, the wide range of emotions we have access to, as well as like the range of who you will be through your lifetime. But kind Something. of sounds like you said, like embodying it though at any given time. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's also something that's hard to be aware of, uh, mm-hmm. at points, especially because how do you embody your future self? You don't know your future self yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all the parts that you need are already within you and it's tapping into, into that wisdom and then ex- experiencing your human, your human condition in that sort of way. I really love that. I really love the tapping into your future self and that wisdom. To me, that feels like this, like leaning in and surrendering into trust and in, into your own knowing, um, which is Absolutely. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind for anyone who, you know, you use the terms maiden, crone, well, I forget the name. And mother. Yeah. And mother. Um, those might be, you know, really obvious to some listeners, but to others that might be really new. So do you mind just defining, you know, what do you mean by each of those terms? Of course. Yeah. Um, and you know, some people might have different words for these sort of things. Um, but the maiden, the mother and the crone are sort of these sacred, it's a sacred moon time or sacred. Mm -hmm. They're called the sacred blood mysteries is how I was taught. And so you're a child. And when you have your first bleed is when you are initiated into the maiden and your first bleed is, is, you know, your first cycle, your first menses. And when you're initiated into this, you kind of are stepping into what it is to be a womb space holder. And so the sacred blood mysteries are, um, there's this really beautiful reading, uh, from Lane Redman, which she's a a really beautiful drummer and knows a lot about history, historical. I'm getting on a different little box here, but the maiden itself, when we bleed, we do not die. And so we have this cyclical living of monthly bleed that, you know, cleanses and makes room for life and we release. And so that is something that is amazing where in a lot of different traditions, and it is actually scary for the patriarchal living that we can bleed and not die. Mm. And so taking that blood and stepping into the space of choosing to give that blood to a new life, if you choose to do so, is initiation into mother, where Mm. you take that maiden, that freeness of powerful cyclical living, bleeding and not dying and turning it into giving your source to a new life. Um, Before we get to mother, I want to ask you a question if you don't mind on maiden. Absolutely. Um, Because you said, and I'm just curious to have you dive a little deeper on this, that the patriarchy can feel threatened by the fact that as you know, a maiden, she bleeds and doesn't die. What can you expand on what you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, we could like dive into hours of, I know uh, of uh, sociological conversation here, but yeah. So uh, there's, there's a lot tied into this blood for men in war and in power means death blood for a man who is partnered with a woman means death. Oh, I failed to, this is like super caveman talk, but failed Mm -hmm. to impregnate my, my wife, my, my partner, my, whatever she's bleeding she's not a fruitful match for me. She didn't carry a son, um, that sort of thing. And that kind of just roots all the way back to even, uh, even now, although things are starting to become a little bit more mainstream, we're looking at the pink tax for tampons and, right. and like th- these sort of things that it's, it's icky. And if gross. someone doesn't know about the pink tax, like look it up, it's a real thing. But basically like example that Stephanie just gave tampons are taxed at a higher tax rate. Um, than other things. Yeah. And so it's, it's this like icky, we don't talk about it. Um, you know, like, ew, you're bleeding or, but it's really mm-hmm. related to the, mm-hmm. the death of, you know, this sort of like, oh, it was not a fruitful union. You didn't give me a son, uh, back to just the very sort of building blocks of humanity of women, you know, bleeding 
after not a fruitful union. And even before that, women on their bleed were considered dirty or unclean because they were not, they were bleeding death. They were not carrying life. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting frame of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, even, even in like the biblical texts, women had to bathe and they were you know, un- unclean when they were bleeding because that was death. And even even when you look at kosher things, you know, the bleed, the blood itself is symbolic of death. And so there can't be blood present. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Thanks for expanding on that. So then um, I don't know if you were, had more you wanted to say on the maiden or if you were going into the mother. Um, well, just from like the, the sacred yeah. blood mystery perspective that the maiden is really just embodying cyclical living. So living with the moon, cycling through, finding that power of this bleeding and not dying, Um, which, you know, sounds crazy. Like we all know we don't die when we bleed. Um, But, but for men who haven't experienced that or don't have a womb space um, in that sort of patriarchal art for them, it's, it's just, scary that and I think even for women I think it's a beautiful reframe and opportunity to see our bleed as a way that we could step into our power Mm because it it still is you know can be felt as taboo or wrong or you can feel shamed if you know you're going to be with your partner and then you're like oh crap like I'm on my bleed what am I going to say or like oh you know like like it's almost like an apology can be I think if a woman's going to have sex with a partner and she's bleeding it's like oh but like I'm on I'm on my moon or I'm on my period like sorry like there's almost this inherent often um, not always but often inherent apology for for having our monthly cyclical bleed for, you know, I think I started my period when I was maybe around 12 and I was one of the first in my class. And I even remember at that age, and I know this isn't uncommon, but, you know, I used pads or first on, and I would try so hard in the bathroom to be so quiet and make no noise. I didn't want anybody to know. I felt so much shame about the fact that I was having my bleed. Um, And so it's beautiful. And I just appreciate you speaking into this of that we can actually shift and step into the power of that time. So what might be um, a way that somebody could, could do that? A woman could do that. Yeah. I think even maybe she has, this is, this is making it maybe a complicated question for you, but if she does have like painful periods um, and that could be a side note, you could add, you know, to that, but I think that's important to speak to. Absolutely. Uh, there, there are a lot of things. I think the most important thing that we can do as womb space holders is to cite, like track your cycle. Um, because there, there's this book, I think it's called the fifth vital sign. Uh, and it's all about what your, your blood can tell you and your cycles can tell you. And so by tracking your cycle, we have these phases, you have your follicular phase. Um, then, you know, that's basically when you have your eggs growing in your ovary, getting ready to pop out. And then you have your ovulatory phase. So your egg is like, we coming down. Um, then you have your luteal phase, which is the phase that's like that PMS, like get out of my space, which I often, you know, of conflate to being a bear in a cave. Uh, it's this sort of your body's craving to settle in and get cozy. Um, and also there's been some really interesting hypotheses. I don't know if they've studied this yet, that the reason that we have more aggressive feelings of P, um, PMS in relationships that have been long-term with our partners is this sort of part in our brain where we're feeling like it was an unfruitful match. Our body hormonally is like, you didn't get me pregnant and I'm mad at you and I'm going to go Isn't be in my cave. So interesting. Yeah. Biological hormone level. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I feel, I feel that totally. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, you have your menstrual phase, which technically is actually the first part of your cycle. So it's technically your menstrual phase. So your bleed, right. And then follicular luteal and then ovulation and then after or follicular ovulation and luteal, excuse me. And so understanding those bits, those like each week of your cycle can be really empowering to one, understand what's going on in your body hormonally to two, understand when you are even capable of conceiving, if that's something that you are interested in understanding. And then three, 
realizing like, oh, hey, I have a short luteal phase or maybe a really long one uh, and how that can also affect your own, your own bleed, your own cycle. Um, if you're experiencing bloating or even have something like fibroids or endometriosis, by understanding the length of your cycle, you can kind of start to look into what treatments are available to you. Because as we, as we all know, maybe we don't all know this, but many of us know pain in our womb space, particularly around period cramps, adhesions in our uterus, endometriosis are not taken seriously by care providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, well, periods are just rough. No, your bleed is actually not supposed to be painful at all. You're not supposed to feel cramping. You're not supposed to feel pain. This also is something little sidebar. I see those things that are like those shirts that are anything you can do. I can do bleeding. And yes, while that is true, that shouldn't be the case. When we are bleeding, our cervix is actually open. We are sloughing all of this out, our uterine arteries are open. We should truly be resting. This mm-hmm. is a time of rest to avoid depletion. So there's a lot of layer cake of how our society builds into bleeding and our periods and just not even knowing when we're supposed to have our period and our bleed and considering what is normal for that. So I would highly recommend tracking your cycle if you're not even sure how to do that or what that means. One of my favorite books is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Mm-hmm. And it actually has like a whole back index full of different ways that you can track your cycle. Um, some people use that as a birth control or a family planning method, but I even think whether you have any other form of birth control going on um, or not, I think it's a really great way just to become in tune with your body and understand, oh, that's why I break out at this time. Or that's why, you know, I'm feeling super amorous towards my partner or, or any version of that. It's, it's a great way into stepping into understanding yourself uh, through a new lens. I love that, Stephanie. I love it because it's so tangible and practical and so empowering, like what a to better understand at any given moment as a female who is, you know, having her blood is having a menstrual cycle to know, be able to name where you are in your cycle. So supportive. Um, you know, both of us are business owners and I can't say I've totally put this into practice, but I've played with even the idea of how I plan my business and plan my month based on my, my cycle. Um, and you know, sometimes I'm better at than others, but it's just even helpful to know, like looking ahead of, oh, I'm going to be bleeding here. Or this is a time when I month where I personally tend to be lower energy, probably not a time to plan a lot of extra things. And so it can just be really supportive to not get depleted, to not feel like, oh, we're just supposed to power through it, muscle through it as females, but actually, uh, really the, I think a strong female stance is to really nourish yourself in those times your body needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so important. It's <laughs> so, so important. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the maiden. Yes. And then you have the mother. And um, so for those of you who don't identify with the mother and that, that is even if you don't have children um, and you want children, you can still identify with this mother phase. Uh, mm. But there are, there, there are those womb holders out there who don't want children and don't identify with that mother. And so there's an alternative term I've heard used called the enchantress, which holds that sort of same space. So it's that. Well, the enchantress, that, and sorry to interrupt you, but I've yeah. also on these three, I've heard like the wild woman as well be included. Mm-hmm. The wild woman and enchantress, would they be? I, I would think that they're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think like on there's, there's a whole spectrum of, of um, archetypes, right? I think there might even be seven and the erotic mother is another one, but just for the Got simplicity, sure we'll just go with, you know, maiden mother crone, the mother, yeah. we can also have like in hyphen or a little offshoot for the wild woman or the enchantress, mm-hmm. um, because there's still substance that is happening there. If you aren't embodying this mother role, and that can be part of your circle, if that feels better for you, mm-hmm. um, or your, your three circles, your three moons, but in the sacred blood mysteries, if you step into this motherhood role, or when you do you, instead of releasing that blood, you keep that blood and, in, in it, this, obviously we know scientifically isn't what happens, but in ancient Egypt texts, 
when you step into that motherhood role, the blood from your heart actually goes down into your womb and grows a child. And so I think that's a really beautiful reference for that change of the, the blood of life is coming from your heart itself. Mm-hmm. And so I love just, that idea as far as to anything you're wanting to use that mother energy to create, whether that be human life, whether that be something you're creating, birthing into the world, art, a project, a business. Um, but I just had such a beautiful sense in my body when you said that bringing the blood from mm-hmm. your heart down to your womb. And it feel, I could feel the enlivening, energizing impact that that created in my own system. Yeah. And I think we, our creative center comes from our pelvis, our emotional center. And so why not send our heart blood down to that mm-hmm. space? And I think it's, it's really powerful. And, and within that, the first sound we hear as little fetus babies is the sound of our own mother's heartbeat. Right. And so that there's something to that. Uh, And there is this, this whole connection that I think is really neat where the first sound that your mother heard was her mother's heartbeat, but you as a baby, you were inside of your mother's womb, right? You were an egg inside of your mother's body, inside of her mother's womb. And this line, so from a cellular level, we have been carried by mothers and grandmothers all the way back to the first mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this really long line of heart to womb energetic that has been being passed along from the beginning of time that, and so that is part of the the sacred blood mystery is that we are all children of one blood, essentially the women. Mm-hmm. And so is there, um, something you might offer for somebody who's wanting to, whether they be a mother to, um, you know, human children or a mother in a different way, is there a way that they can really, I don't know, I guess what, what might be a suggestion for somebody who wants to harness or cultivate or really step into the power of that archetype? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in the throes of it right now and I'm still figuring it out. Stephanie has three beautiful, I've only met them once, but angelic daughters that I am just in love with. <laughs> they keep me on my toes for I sure. sure. They're adorable. Yeah, I I I love them. It's they're very cute. And I it's been it's been more challenging than I thought. I've always wanted to be a mom and here I am thrown into this. And I think a big part of this is just my own experience in the mothering journey is finding the self right in, in that. So not losing the essence of who I am, not losing that maiden that I still have that maiden brought along in my, in my motherhood journey. Um, and, and keeping hold of that while I, take care of them sort of that put your oxygen mask on before you put on the oxygen mask of others. And, and that's something that really ties this in into the community work that I do is the mothers need the maidens so, so much. The maidens have the energy, the space, the time, the, that wildness and the enchantresses are the wild women. They have this space to come to be- together and cultivate that community, that energy when the mama is like, I haven't slept in three nights and I ate cold beans out of a can and Mm. just, you know, there's laundry piled up everywhere. It's those, those maidens take the kids to the park. So the mom can recenter and ground and make that home, that safe place to land. Mm. That makes me tear up. And that's so beautiful. And it's such like, we need, all of us need community. And I think particularly young parents, young moms of, you're, we're not supposed to do it alone. And to be able mm-hmm. to bring that merging of the maiden supporting the mothers is really beautiful. Hey, this is Emily, and I am interrupting this podcast interview to let you know about an offering that I have. If you are a woman and you are currently in your story of really feeling challenged in regards to your relationship with your body where it feels like a struggle it takes so much energy or time to get dressed in the morning because you just feel like nothing really looks good on you or you've noticed you're constantly obsessing or worried over food of how much or how little you should eat 
or how much or how little you should exercise and using exercise or movement more for punishment and just overall feeling not good in your own skin, feeling maybe sluggish, tired, feeling disconnected, maybe even feeling ashamed. If you resonate with that and are ready and desiring some support to help create a shift in that narrative, then I invite you to schedule your complimentary Embracing Radical Embodiment call with me today. This is a completely free call. It will just be you and I, and I will support you in at least having one tangible takeaway step from that call. So even from that free call alone, you will have a tangible action or new insight or awareness, embodiment practice that's specific to you that will support you in starting to shift the needle of being stuck in the narrative that our worth, that our enoughness is tied into the way our physical appearance looks. And instead, be able to connect with yourself and connect with your body. And of course, on that call, if it feels like a fit mutually, I will let you know what it would look like to work longer term with me one-on-one. But there's no pressure and it's always a joy for me, honestly, to get to connect with women in that way through those conversations because this story specifically around our bodies, there's a lot of shame involved with it. And when we are in that shame loop, if we are not sharing that story with another trusted support, then we're only feeding the shame. Shame feeds and lives in the shadow by being internalized, by our ego telling us that we can do it all on our own, that we're okay, that when the truth is we need support, especially if you are feeling like you are unhappy with your body. It doesn't have to be that way. The rest of your life doesn't have to be with you obsessing over pounds on the scale. I know this because I've been there. I've been on that side and I know what it feels like to really honestly, truly love and embrace my body exactly as my body is. So if you are interested in scheduling that call with me, the Embracing Radical Embodiment call, be sure to look at the show notes in the podcast link. And if you can't see it there, you can go to my website, radicalembodiment.com. And if you go to where it says like work with Emily one-on-one, there's a link right there that'll take you to schedule that call. So go to the show notes, go to radicalembodiment.com. And thanks for letting me interrupt this episode to share that with you. Now, back to the interview. Yeah, and I think it's that's also this sort of non-judgmental space mm-hmm. where when we get to the crones, they have so much wisdom to share, but they've done it and their way is their way. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have this fusion of the three when it comes to um surrounding the mother, Mm -hmm. uh, to really raise the next generation. And so these three all kind of interlink to create this really strong support system for the next generation of, of world changers. So let's go to the crone then. So the crone is when you step through that, I call it like the, the silver gate. So you, in the sacred blood mysteries. So you're not bleeding anymore. You've reached menopause that full year of no longer bleeding. And the, the story behind that is you're keeping your blood, your wise blood for yourself. So you've bled, you've shared by expanding that blood and that from your heart to your womb, to a life. And now you're maintaining that so that you are able to share your wisdom with others. So taking that wisdom and supporting uh the mothers and the maidens right um whereas sometimes you, you're like oh gosh like, thanks mom or grandma or whatever like I know this is this things are different now but in reality it is a very important part of our culture these are the the stories and how to make that like extra special soup and the the healing remedies and the the things that are really going to continue to support the maidens, right? The children, the maidens, the mothers, the enchantresses, and then the crones are there just sort of as the, the apex of the wisdom at this point they're maintaining. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. I like that. So now that you've kind of one, thank you for just kind of outlining and defining each of the maiden mother and crone. I'd like to go back to part of how you defined embodiment for yourself, which it's always so fun. I love asking that question because I think embodiment means, I think it ultimately meet, like means a similar thing. I almost the same thing to all of us, but in our own way, in our own language and words. And so it's beautiful to me to hear people's definition of it. And so would there be a way for you to share maybe in your own perspective or a client or someone you've seen of how, what is like a actual tangible example of somebody um, integrating all of those aspects of ourselves, right? Like past self, maybe maiden or before maiden, you know, or future crone or future mother. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, we, we do have all of these facets in ourselves, right? So that was just talking along the, the sacred blood mysteries space. Oh, which you I started your bleed. You. Well, we'll yeah. go back to that. Uh, what is the sacred blood mysteries? Yeah. So the sacred blood mysteries itself are that we as women or womb space holders bleed and do not die. Um, and, and that is the thread that brings us all all the way back so that we all have been held essentially in the wombs of our grandmothers Mm -hmm. all the way to the first mother. And so that, that is essentially what the sacred blood mystery. So it's not like particularly like one school of thought or something. Mm -mm. No, it's, it's just in general, that is the sacred blood mysteries. And there's like, you can get much more in depth with all of that. Um, But the maiden mother crone, even child, all of these identities are within us. So they can be energies. They can be our past self, our present self, our future self. Um, but we all right need to take time to sort of mother ourselves, maybe repairing ourselves. Sometimes we need to have that wisdom. Someone might come to us sick, um, and be like, Oh man, I've tried everything. Like, Oh, well, my grandma has this thing where she, puts an onion next to the bed for respiratory colds. And I swear it works or, or, you know, something where you're tired, you're this mom who's been, you know, living in pajamas for weeks and, you know, feels weird in her body and then finds a really cute dress that she would have, you know, bought before she had kids and buying that and finding that sort of free energetic self again. So I think it's an integration of all three of these things and how, when you tap into the, the lessons or the messages from your past self to wrap that into how you're experiencing things currently and the wisdom that you inherently know, maybe from your higher self is your crone energy. You're able to really feel, or maybe just include all of the bits of yourself to experience the way things are presenting in the current moment. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that came out right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I followed. I tracked it. I tracked it. Yeah. I was just wanting to go back to that. And I'm going to kind of jump a little bit here um, because being that, you know, this podcast radical embodiment is um, specifically, you know, what my main overarching intention is to help shift the narrative that a woman's worth is tied into her weight. And the fact that you work with women who through their pregnancy with women right after birth with postpartum women. And there can be such a pressure, both internal and external on new moms and like during a pregnancy, after the pregnancy to get their body back or to lose the weight, or they're not feeling like themselves, right. Their body's just been through this incredible, tremendous transformation, right. And their body won't ever be quote unquote the same. Um, I'd love for you to share, you know, how you support your clients and, um, just for anyone listening, you know, suggestions, support, advice, insight you have on that, that period in a woman's life who is, you know, having a baby of how like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is being embodied, this holding all parts of yourself while feeling good with the skin that you're in is, is really challenging. I think, I think it's getting younger and younger now. At first I thought it was age 10. Um, but I think I've been reading things as young as age six girls start being aware of their size. And I have this, mine was age eight. So to me, I'm like, six sounds 
so young. It sounds so young. And for me, like my memory is, I think I was maybe 11, 10 or 11. And I saw that special K commercial where, you know, Mm. you eat only special K and you're going to get super cute and skinny. And I remember as a kid putting serving sizes of special K in a little Ziploc bag and was like, I'm going to look so good. I mean, I was probably four feet tall. I was the smallest, tiniest little kid ever. And this commercial convinced in me that I was, you know, this 11 year old tiny kid who needed these nutrients to grow that I needed to lose weight. Yes. And so taking that into this pregnancy and this postpartum realm where I'm seeing these women who two weeks, maybe even a week, but two weeks, especially is the kind of like, okay, I'm starting to feel maybe a little better after my birth, but I, my body doesn't look like I want it to. And I'm going to start their version of a special K diet, like a detox Mm -hmm. or something. And that is so, so difficult for me to see because you will read the tabloids and you'll see like Halle Berry after she had her baby looks rocking and she had her baby two or three weeks ago. right? Right. But these people are working with insane amounts of public training, nutritionists, and Photoshop. So they have all of these things going for them. But when it comes back to the realm of womb care and the things that I work on, it's all about preventing this depletion. Mm -hmm. So in postpartum, your womb channels are open. Your cervix is open. You're still bleeding. You bleed something called lochia from the placental scar site inside your uterus Mm -hmm. for for a while, for at least a couple of weeks. And that can get re-aggravated if you exercise too early. There's actually a big risk of um, like certain positions, like there's certain things you don't want to do because you can actually get air up in your body and into that placental site and it can cause a hemorrhage or even like a blood clot. It can be a really scary thing. And so this sort of gentleness is something that I try to bring to the postpartum period, as well as nutrition. This is the time when women are bleeding. So the maidens, when they are having their bleed, when the mothers are bleeding in their postpartum period, that is the most important time to prevent depletion. They need easy to digest warming nutrients to help one sort of re-kick their digestion. Because also when you're bleeding, you're bloated, your digestion is not working as in, I guess, efficiently as it should, because right. your uterus is going to yeah, right. setting the lining of your uterus. Exactly. And your uterus actually is in, enlarges a little bit at that point and puts pressure on your intestines. And the same happens in postpartum. Your uterus is slowly shrinking back down, but that pressure is still there. Your organs are still kind of jammed up in weird places. And, and by not eating mm. nutritious foods and by just eating like Caesar salads, which I've seen is not going to be helpful for preventing depletion. And especially if you're a lactating mother. Mm. So, you know, the, the Crohn's or the older, older wives tales will say, oh, well, if you're breastfeeding that weight, will fall right off. And that's actually not true for everyone. The majority of people will keep on the weight that they put on during pregnancy to sustain a baby in case of famine. And so our bodies instinctually will hold on to extra fat in our, especially over our belly to protect our womb. So that in the case where we don't have food, our body is still able to provide food for our child. And so usually the golden standard of rule when it comes to the baby weight is it took you at least a year to put it on. It's Mm going to take you at least a year to pull it off. And the first year of postpartum, a lot of people talk about those first 40 days, which is considered the fourth trimester. And it's like a very sacred time. The entire first year is this arc of hormonal influxes. Some women don't even get their cycles back until a year. Some will get it back in six weeks, but it's this, this whole year of time that it's going to take for your body to adjust to its new normal. And it's so hard to be inundated with this constant bounce back culture and the Instagram mommy fit things and all, all of this stuff. When really in reality and postpartum, you are being called into this time of rest, this time to nourish and treat our bodies well, because calorically 
the time of pregnancy is equivalent to running a full marathon like every day. And in postpartum, those caloric needs don't really change much if you're lactating because your body is needing to make milk to feed another human. Mm -hmm. And so when women aren't eating enough or drinking enough in postpartum, a lot of times I see struggle with milk supply because while they're trying to get into this their pre-pregnancy clothes, which their bone structures have changed. They might not ever be able to. Right. Their rib pelvis are totally. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you know, like my, after my pregnancies, my left rib cage flares out. I've had so much body work done on it. I don't think it'll ever go back down. And Mm. that's just all my organs kind of got shoved. My Rolfing brain is like, oh, you should come see I would love to come and see you. Yeah. I've had so much. Not that I'm going to fix it. Not that it will change and not that it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. No, I mean, I would, I would love that. I've had physical therapists and all kinds of people try to be like, that's weird. I'm like, my organs were just up there for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and so it, it, it is, it is challenging. And I, I even struggle with, with this after having, you know, three babies of my own. Um, but for me, just, especially with the work that I'm doing and, and especially because postpartum is such a raw and vulnerable time, I get very protective of mamas because it's, it is so raw and vulnerable. And when you're up at like 2am breastfeeding, you're sleep deprived, you're going to buy like those diet smoothie subscriptions and like some crazy P90X workout, which is the worst thing you could do for, for, you know, any sort of diastasis that you experience or it's a real big layer cake. And so the biggest thing that I can share for you, if you're bleeding or if you're postpartum is nourish yourself. That is going to be the best thing that you can do for your body for your brain, for your hormonal balance. That's a huge thing too, is women are not eating enough $1,200, $1,200, 1200 calorie diets are not enough. That's the caloric. What is it? Needs of like a five-year-old. Um, it's so, crazy that 1200 <laughs> number, right? I can think of like years. I, I know I brought it up in podcast episodes before, where that was like the number of cal, I was like the, you know, I was like, oh, to be an ideal woman, you only eat and need 1200 calories. And then that's, I'm going to be quote unquote ideal. And it's like, it's not enough food. And I'm appreciating just how much you're languaging the nutrient needs that you have and, and the depletion that will happen if you're not giving yourself nutrients. Right. So it takes the, the charge out of, you know, eat more food or eat less food or wait or not. It's like, it's about actually giving your body nutrients. Yes, It's about nutrients. not depleting yourself. It's about your body hasn't healed. Let's not put excess pressure um, physically on it while it's healing. Yeah. And, and some people, you know, there, there's so many different things and things work for different people. Right. But right. the majority of women, we need good fats. We need healthy fats. We need protein. We need easy to digest vegetables and fruits. We don't need raw vegetables unless, you know, like you're full on marathon training and you have a rock star digestive system. Raw vegetables can be really hard on your body. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's this sort of, you know, like it's okay to eat like a knob of butter or ghee, um, you know, like intermittent fasting is one of the worst things you can do for your hormones. If you're struggling with weird cycles or there, you know, and I don't want to make these big overarching statements, but in these times of vulnerable hormone imbalance or bleeding or postpartum, the most important thing is focus on taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself in the best way possible. And the rest will follow because if you feel good in your body, then, then you'll feel good looking at your body. Mm-hmm. And, and also, love- yeah, it's that juicy, it's the juicy time. And when I, my third postpartum experience was much different than my first two, because I, I looked at it that way. So instead of having this special K moment, I ate, sweet potatoes smothered in ghee. And I really Mm. nourished myself. And when I looked at my, my body, which, you know, I always used to say like my weird floppy postpartum body, I looked at myself in the mirror, you know, like fresh out of the tub. And I was like, I am juicy mama. Like my body's leaking Mm. milk and yeah, I'm like covered in these stretch marks, but how amazing is it that I grew these humans? And I just went out and bought bigger clothes. 
And it felt amazing because I stopped trying to squeeze myself in clothes that would never fit me. And wearing clothes that fit me, I was like, oh, like, I don't feel like I look too big because I'm not trying to scram myself. You're not trying to squeeze into, I, I love that stuff. I appreciate you sharing that. And even just that like visual of gifting yourself the permission to nourish and eat what's going to satiate you and how that also for you, you felt the direct translation of gave you more resource um, to look at yourself through the lens of, of love and recognition of what like incredibleness your body has just been through. Yeah. I, I really, I was mothering my maiden in that moment. Mm. And, and so, you know, mm-hmm. back to that question of how can you, if you don't yeah. have children, mother yourself is yeah. when you're bleeding, nourish yourself, like lay down with that warm blanket and heating pad, put on fuzzy socks, mm-hmm. right? This is not the time to, you know, jump into some crazy workout or, or anything, just do every, everything you do with intention and it will change the way that you look at everything. And that that's like the wisdom from my crone, right? Is mm. moving intentionally has made the biggest difference in the way that I look at everything. And that, that to me is being embodied is the Mm -hmm. intention and the gentleness. And also it's, it's this wild swirling layer cake of, of inhabiting the truest parts of myself. Mm. I love that. Well, so I normally ask at the end of these interviews, like what is one suggestion or tip you take away, you would give to someone who wants to live a more radically embodied life. And I wonder if that maybe you have a different one or if that would be it of living with intention. I think that's it. Live with intention, eat with intention, eat the butter, Um, (laughs) you know, like you or ghee or, or just, just nourish yourself. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's it. I think it's a beautiful and it's such a gift in a world that only seems to get faster unless we're intentionally choosing otherwise every Mm -hmm. day just having that intention itself helps to slow down a little bit, setting an intention every morning for your day. It doesn't have to, you know, I think sometimes there can be this preconceived notion of, okay, I'm going to meditate every morning, or I'm going to live this embodied life. I'm going to be really mindful that it also has to take all this time. And I disagree. I think, yes, if you have the time to cultivate into a really deep, practice. Amazing. Do it. And, you know, you're sitting on the toilet every morning, set an intention, right? When you're heating up water for tea or for coffee, have an intention before you're eating, you know, just an intention of how you want to feel. It can be so simple. It can be a word. If you, you know, set it in the morning, beginning of your day, carry that word with you through the day. And I think I, I just really appreciate that, Stephanie, because it's so simple and tangible and it doesn't take any extra time yet mm-hmm. can make such a profound impact on how you navigate through your day and through your life. Yeah. And I also would like to say like, okay, what that word, that intention, anytime I'm in a yoga class or, you know, any of these things, or even when I would teach yoga classes, I would tell my students to pick an intention for the class. And, and even then I'd be like, well, what is an intention or what like hope or love or like, what does that mean? And so I think it, you know, would be helpful to maybe share some words for your listeners. Like what, what could be an intention? Like, for example, the toilet comment you made, I have a sticky note in my bathroom across from my toilet that says breathe because with running around with three small children, it's like, rapid pee and get out of there, which also like power peeing is the worst thing you can do for your pelvic floor. But anyway, you know, it's like, if I sit there and I notice my sticky note and I actually take that four part, like full, full diaphragmatic breath, Mm -hmm. that is a helpful reminder for me. Um, whereas my intention for this entire year is spaciousness, Mm. just creating space around things. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't have to feel so full, um, like some other, some other words, help me out, Emily, that would be, I often play with this present often. What comes to me is I just want to be present. I do. It's a longer check-in that I I won't share right now, Mm -hmm. but I often do a daily check-in with myself. And, um, at the end of it, I ask myself based on how I'm feeling, what would help me feel just a little bit better. So it's similar to this intention idea. 
And it's usually that I just want to be present, that I just want to mm. be where I'm at. And for me, um, it is to just take a breath, to ground into my body. Um, if that, that, if, you know, I know that a lot of the clients that I get coaching wise, when they're first working with me, the idea of being in their body or just drop into your body is completely foreign. Mm -hmm. So that'd be like, feel your feet on the floor, you know, rub your hands together, something that helps to give you a physical, you know, that tactile sensation that helps support you to come into the present moment. Um, yeah, sometimes it's just mm. that I want to feel ease on days that I have that are a little particular fuller with, you know, client help or client appointments. Um, I'll try on a word of like ease, or I just want to feel rested. And I find that in the gaps in between, it helps me be more intentional on my breaks of, oh, I don't need to look at my email. <laughs> <Respond>. <laughs> we can wait until tomorrow. That's fine. Um, I can take care of me on these, on these breaks. Yeah. And we live in such a culture of immediacy, don't we? <laughs> Stephanie knows that my email is down for a week and I'm like, oh, people are going to think I'm unprofessional. And then, but I have to honestly say I've been, I mean, it, it sucks to have your email down for a week. It happened because transferring my website over, but I am proud of myself that I was pretty much fine with it all the time. Like, eh, in the fine. past, I would have been really stressed out. I would have been micromanaging because I have somebody supporting me. And instead I was like, it's okay. It's going to be, it's going to be fine. I mean, snail mail in the olden days would have taken a week anyway. So (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Um, Bless you, Stephanie. I'm so grateful that you were Mm -hmm. on and just opening your lens into your world a little bit for us. I know it was really helpful, supportive conversation for me. And so I'm sure it was for listeners as well. Um, So just know I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to you. There's a lot of great takeaways um, how can somebody find out more about your work? Yeah. So I, I do have a website. It is currently up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a work in progress, but it is Sorry. up. Um, I just have it, to laugh at how you're like, <laughs> I do have a website. It's currently up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's www.rockymountainmother.com. Okay. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram. It's just Rocky and then mountain abbreviated. So the MTN mother. Okay. Um, and that's primarily where I post like the new things that I'm up to, but I've been pretty busy with births lately and postpartum visits. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out to me on there. or Send me an email. My email is Stephanie at rockymountainmother.com. Just the whole linked below too so people can find those in the show notes awesome definitely check out stephanie's work give her a follow on instagram and um yeah amazing thank you again thank you everyone for listening and um I, i my little takeaway what i'm really feeling my body is just that takeaway of harnessing that um mother energy of feeling whatever it is you're desiring to create in your heart and just dropping it down into your womb. Um, so if anyone, yeah, I would just play with that. Mm. Awesome. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Amelia again. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you enjoyed it, please, if you haven't already, subscribed to the podcast, Radical Embodiment. Download the episode and share it with your friends, family, community. The way Radical Embodiment is growing right now is simply through word of mouth, most specifically women sharing with other women. So please like, subscribe, share, and tune into the next episode.